Let's get back to the action on the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by the Keystone Sports Network. Get the best Penn State sports news and analysis at KeystoneSportsNetwork.com or download the Keystone Sports app from your smartphone. Hello and welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It is quarter number three. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Dustin, we are talking about Penn State football history, specifically the decade of the 70s. And we were talking earlier pretty much about the first half of the uh, decade where Penn State went through a couple uh, semi-down years before it cultivated in the undefeated season in 73, John Capaletti with the Heisman. Um, they still did okay in 74. They finished 10-2, and 9-3 uh, in 75, but they hit a low point, at least at the time, in 1976 with the 7-5 and five season. So combined those 75 and 76 years, they lost uh, – eight games, which is quite a bit when you only lose 22 through the whole decade. But of course, it was followed by a couple really good years, back-to-back 77 and 78, 11-1 seasons. But the best they could do was being ranked fourth or fifth in the country. But 11-1 seasons, not too shabby, especially when one of the years they went into the bowl game undefeated and they were playing for the national championship. Yeah, that that was a kind of a nice arrival moment, and uh, you know that that game, you know, against Alabama uh, to to cap the year was, um, you know, that it was it was a pretty memorable thing. Obviously, it could have been more memorable <laughs> than what it ended up being, but um, you know that that seventy eight season was really it's it just seemed to mark you know a, a graduation, you know, to even just play for a national title that year. Uh, the way that they played that season too was representative of a national title contending team. Where, you know, some of these other previous the unbeaten seasons, you don't beat a ranked team. Well, they went ahead and they beat three ranked teams uh, fairly convincingly along the way, and and kind of established themselves as as deserving for that shot against Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. Didn't work out for them um, in the end there, but uh, that was a legitimate, uh, you know, national title type team. Uh, just didn't just didn't get it done against Alabama. But look at look at that roster, and look at uh, you know the wins that they had, the way that they played Alabama. You know the the number three scoring defense in the country, which is be, which became kind of a norm uh, throughout that decade. I mean, this was a really really good team. It was. Let me give you one statistic. Defensively, that team allowed fifty four yards a game rushing. Fifty four. And, you know, I kind of use as my uh, benchmark on defense is how many times you allow 20 points. That happened only twice that season. And one of those games, they put up 49. So, you know, they only won by 28 in that game. But, and they, as you said, they beat a couple ranked teams. The schedule was was getting better. Playing te- they played Ohio State and shut them out, nineteen nothing. They played a couple ACC teams. They played a ranked Pitt team at the end of the season. And I'd, I'd like to just mention that real quickly. I do miss that Penn State Pitt game Thanksgiving weekend. It was typically on Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, Dusty, and it was a tradition. And I just remember in the Galante household, that was Dad and Jim 
sitting in the living room with our food, leftovers from Thanksgiving, which we didn't normally do in the house. Mama Galante wasn't crazy about that. But Dad took charge Friday after Thanksgiving, and we would always go um, eat our uh, leftover Thanksgiving meal and watch Penn State Pitt. What a great tradition. And it, it kind of speaks to um, fans wanting that to not necessarily go away. You know, to, to have brought that back for four years and to bring back all those types of memories from from fans where, where this was a yearly thing and there was tradition to it. Um, just kind of stinks that the business of college football makes that not not in Penn State's best interest anymore. Exactly, and I'm going to mention a score. We will get into it next week, but I'm just going to say to Penn, old Penn State fans, 48-14, okay? So the mature Penn State fans will know what I'm talking about. Uh, Dusty, <laughs> mature. I don't know if you I, I like. uh, yes. Oh, nobody would ever accuse me of being mature, Jim. <laughs> okay. Well, I I have that same issue, so I'm going to just put it out there. Older Penn State fans will understand what it means. We'll explain to the youngsters next week what it means. But anyway, let's talk about this culmination of this Sugar Bowl against Alabama. Penn State, I believe, was actually ranked number one going into the game against number two Alabama. This is after years of, remember, there was no playoffs at the time. Plus, Penn State might get locked out of the game because there were the tie-ins. If a um, Pac-8 or a Big Ten team was the number one team, forget it. They're going to the Rose Bowl. You had no chance of playing them. So here was that opportunity for Penn State to play for number one. And... The, they played Alabama, and the really tough, tough part for Penn State fans is Penn State got the ball down to the two-yard line. And if you're from Alabama, this is a famous goal-line stand. If you're from Penn State, it's the infamous goal-line stand. <laughs> and, and after a third down where they just went right into the middle of the line, got stopped short, it was like, okay, what are you going to do on fourth down? As a Penn State fan who always complained about how conservative Joe Paterno was, it was like, please, please, at least run outside, okay? They seem to be stacked up against you. Well, it's become a, you know, kind of a a cliched phrase that we use in our household, which is gooming over the top, meaning a quest that comes up short, Okay, you could still <laughs> say if I can still say that to my brother, gooming over the top, and he'll roll his eyes and oh. But I want to give a quick story if I can. Fast forward to just a couple years ago, so we're talking about you know 30 years later, and on a completely separate business opportunity, I got to sit down with Marty Lyons, who was on that Alabama defense. And many folks might remember him playing for the New York Jets. A really, really good player. And by the way, a very big man. And I had to ask him about that play. He was on that Alabama team. And unprompted, he said, Jim, we stacked the line of scrimmage. We were prepared for them to just try and drive it up against us right up the middle. If the quarterback had faked it, gone around end, anything like that, 
he would have walked into the end zone. And that's all I needed to hear to put me over the top again in frustration with the declaration of, oh, my God, gooming over the top. So that that wasn't a reassuring thing he said to you, was it? It did not make me feel any better. It really didn't. But what was fascinating to me, and by the way, um, Marty Lyons, he was such a nice man, Dusty. He was wonderful. I wanted so badly to dislike him, and I couldn't, okay? He, he was wonderful, and wonderful to talk to. He was doing charity work, just just a fantastic guy. He was a guy that you would say, you know what, he would have fit in perfect on a Penn State team in those, in those years. And it may be partly why there's such great respect between Penn State fans and Alabama fans. But it also, I think, speaks to uh, the college football and what effect it has. Like I said, we're talking about you know, going 30, 35 years later and talking about that single game and still talking about it with passion me on one side as a fan and him on the other side as a player and having these recollections of this game from two very different perspectives. I I will say I enjoyed the conversation even if I hated the moment that we were talking about. Is it safe to say that he stuffed your hatred at the goal line? Is it is it safe <laughs> to say that? No, and it brings. I was having a conversation, you know, just yesterday with somebody, just about the idea of you sticking to your strengths in a certain situation, you know, and 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 I think there's a time to do that, and there's a time not to. Um, Penn State, that clear, that was their their bread and butter. That what what they did. Alabama seems like they were taking that away all game long. I think they finished with 19 rushing yards uh, in that game against Alabama. So this was a tough outfit to run on, uh, no matter what. But so they're in this situation. Seasons on the line. You need what about a foot or two in in, in there uh, on fourth and goal. You go with uh, with your bread and butter. It just was destined to fail, as it turns out. You know, do you let the opponent dictate what you do as a team, or do you stick to your bread and butter? You know, there's a lot, there's a fine line, I think, between stubbornness and and sticking to what, what, what uh, got you there. And you know what? If it had worked, I'd have been telling you, you stick with what your strength. And yeah. if it doesn't work, oh my God, why didn't you do something else? But it makes tremendous memories. And what it does is it also, as a Penn State fan, it kind of finishes off that decade with that feeling of coming up just short as a Penn State fan. You had multiple undefeated seasons. You finally get into that national championship game, and you come up literally inches short. It, it it's, it's, was tremendously disappointing, but it was still such a great decade. And uh, Dustin, just as you know, my final thoughts on the decade – we have to at least recognize just how many, not good, but great players were on those Penn State teams. Jack Ham, Lydell Mitchell, John Huffnagel, the quarterback, Capaletti, who we talked about, Greg Buttle, Bruce Clark and Matt Millen, who played during my era there at Penn State. Just some spectacular names there. Oh yeah, and and through don't forget, you know that was that was the Sueys emerging, you know that uh, that was the you know Chris and Matt Barr both were kickers in in the seventies, and to, to think about Matt Millen and Bruce Clark 
on the same defensive line just wreaking havoc. You can kind of picture that formula of making it so hopeless for other teams to run the football that they have to, at that time, throw it more than they're comfortable doing. And what that leads to is, you know, a safety who was an All-American by the name of Pete Harris intercepting 10 passes <laughs> in 1978. You know, I think, I think they were so menacing up front that they, they, they forced opponents out of their comfort zone, and that's exactly what happens there, uh, creating turnover after turnover. Dustin, thanks so much for talking about the 70s with me. For me, who, like I said, those were my years from when I was 10 years old to 19 years old. Became huge Penn State fan at the time. It was fantastic to relive it. Well, it was fantastic to relive most of the moments from that decade. All right, folks. That is it for quarter number three and our take on the 70s. Stick around. We've got Coach Caduti coming for quarter number four, and we're going to talk more about Manny Diaz and his defense. Stay tuned. There's nothing better than following your favorite team on the road. Thanks to Collegiate Athletic Travel, you can get your chance this fall as the Nittany Lions fly south to face the Auburn Tigers. Take a non-stop charter flight from Harrisburg. Accommodation included. Not two hours away in Atlanta, but at the team hotel. Transportation to and from the game is also included, as well as a tailgate party at the stadium. Go to athletictravel.com or call 800-788-4414 for all the information. This is Jim from Keystone. Sports. You know, a lot has changed about State College, but one thing that hasn't is W.C. Clark's Coffee Roasters on Calder Way. 30 different varieties of specialty coffee beans sourced from over 25 countries and roasted with love each morning in Happy Valley for over 45 years. We'll ship our fresh roasted coffee from our doorstep to yours. That's right. You can now order online at statecollegecoffee.com. So go to statecollegecoffee.com and use discount code KSN at checkout.